All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Hasking Cast podcast, our 200th episode. And with me to celebrate is the always amazing, recently returned from France, will perform anywhere and everywhere, including today. You can see her at 2 p.m. Pacific time on Stage It. The link will be in the show notes so that you can get your ticket. Alison Arngrim. Alison, how are you? Hi, I'm fabulous. Yes, I will. It's like, can I can I be on stage? Can I be in person? How about in your living room? Um, so yes, yeah, stageit.com from my living room to yours. It's going to be nuts. I have watched quite a few of these events that you've done since COVID, and they are so enjoyable. It's a really different experience. It's uh, when you go see someone in a theater. You're with a group of people. There's a distance. I mean, here you're just right on my monitor or on my phone. Or people uh, sit on the couch, and I'm like, "Hello, hello, yeah. I'm right here." It's, it's and it's so odd. I'm in my living room. My husband's standing there with the laptop mm-hmm. on a thing. And luckily, he laughs in all the right places. When I first started doing it, it was very difficult because, you know, like I said, when the pandemic hit, I had all these bookings and I was I was devastated. I was like, I can't I can't I can't go anywhere. I can't I can't talk to people. I can't. What what, what will I do? What will I do all day? And my husband's like, you'll think of something. And the you know, next thing I know, I'm like all over the Internet. So the stage thing first was like, OK, it's husband and the cats. You know what? How do I wait for laugh? What do we do? Laughs. But luckily, he laughs in the right places. And then also he can see the comments that people are making during the show so if it's really funny he goes like the the comments are rolling it's good like oh that was a good bit then so it was very surreal very surreal Mm. i explained uh to rich little when rich little the comedian who's you know quite on in years but still at it four nights a week at the tropicana Mm -hmm. he had to do an online show they said nope nope you can't go down to the tropicana it's closed and he's like i gotta perform so they said okay online show it is and i was brought in they go allison did one have allison come in well she'll help (laughs) and he had a really great tech guy he had a tech guy who was just had bells and whistles and things going Mm. so i said okay i said basically I'm just sort of like the internet support. I said, all right, do you remember those shows? I said to Rich, I said, do you remember those shows we did in the seventies where they didn't have a studio audience and you had to do your stand-up set for the Mm -hmm. cameraman and the crew to dead silence. And they said, don't worry about it. We're going to put in a laugh track later, but it meant you had to stand there for 10 minutes and tell jokes to nobody to an empty room. And he's like, oh, yes. I went, okay, that. If you survive that gig, you could do the online show. It's the same thing. But he had a couple of friends in. He had a big enough living room. We sat socially distanced, few friends. So we all were able to laugh. So we had some people. I just have the husband and the cats, but um, they they try. (laughs) But it works. And I really enjoyed the show that you produced for him. Uh, I live 15 minutes from the Tropicana. So when COVID first came out and they had blocked off all the parking, because there's a great uh, locals parking area there. Uh, where they don't charge you. And so that's one oh, of my one of my spots. And I, it was just so devastating to see that you weren't allowed to park anywhere. They didn't want you out. They wanted you home safe, which well, makes sense, you know. Yeah, I'm right. And I was planning on going and seeing Rich right when all that happened. So I've still got to get down there. But the weird thing to me, and I've known a few comedians, I've talked to them about how they build their their uh, their act. And a lot of it is based on the feedback of the audience, whether a joke bombs, whether, you know, how do you do that when you're without an audience? It's, it's horrible. No, <laughs> um, well, I also do a big Q&A. That was the other thing. When I, how am I going to do this? Because the favorite part of my show live, and I did get in September, go to New York, was able to perform at Caveat and at the Rochester Fringe Festival, is the little cards that say, ask Allison anything, answer their questions. Thing. So, so I went on Facebook and said, okay, put, you, put give me your questions now. Just put them here on Facebook mm-hmm. and I'll like print this out and that'll be the Q&A. Oh, I'll, wow. like, and I, so I did that. And um, yeah, the things that, 
you know, work. And there were always things in the Q&A that were so funny, they wound up becoming part of the act. Um, but yeah, it was difficult. Now, we do know that certainly got a little feedback. Like I said, we would see the comments. So so apparently they really like that. And then people would like later email me or Facebook me and say, hey, that was really good. Mm-hmm. And um, and then Ron and Ship at Spin Cycle. And I remember when we were talking about Casper the Friendly Ghost and playing some of the Casper album that moment we had like puppets, like suddenly you had Davy and Goliath and Casper. Mm-hmm. I had more people go, wow, I didn't know there were going to be puppets. I like this part. <laughs> But that's that's the beauty of of you because you're so creative. You're so reinventing yourself and new ideas all the time. You're not somebody who says, "Okay, here's the act that I've been doing since '75, and that's what I'm known for, so that's what I'm going to do." You're constantly changing and updating and doing new things. You've got to keep it fresh for you as much as your audience. Well, true, and I wish I wish I updated more. I, you know, it's so funny. I like. I really, I look at my schedule and I read my newsletter and I'm so busy. It's insane. I feel like I'm really lazy and not getting anything done. Uh, <laughs> it's like, that's, you know, you're an actor. You're like, you've done 27,000 things that day. And you're like, I've done nothing. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, the online tried to revamp it. Like, okay, so this, this one, uh, not stuffing out of Nellie Olson. I'm like, oh, like all the stories about when I've gotten beaten up. Mm-hmm. Premier for being Nelly, because there's a lot of material there. <laughs> Which kind of makes me really sad, but it kind of also is a big compliment to what a good actor you are, right? Right. I mean, that's the thing. It's like when people say, I hate you, I hate you. You were so awful on the show. I wanted to reach through the screen and slap you. I always say, thank you. Thank you. You're too kind. Yeah. Because uh, it means I did it right. It means I did it right. I mean, I've always loved villains in film and TV. And so, mm-hmm. so if you're if you're booing and hissing and it's yes, I've, I've done it correctly. But yes, I have actually been physically attacked on several occasions. So it's like, oh, that's good material. Um, so we're like, knock the stuff. We were trying to, and coming up with the titles is fun. We were throwing mm-hmm. around titles. We could knock the stuff out of Nelly. Olsen. Oh, yeah. It's like, perfect. That's, it. that's the one. <laughs> Could, could they have handed you a better opportunity for a great title? But I remember right. the last time or the first time you were on the show, you told the, the story about the McDonald's orange juice being dumped on you at that parade. And I'm thinking, I, keep that. I love it. And I hate that people can't just say, wow, you're so good. You really just like, I feel my muscles tighten when you come on the screen. They have to <laughs> physically act it out, <laughs> yes. you know, as if they need yes. to get even with you somehow. I, when I saw that movie, what was it? The Weatherman with, the, uh, yeah. And I said, the guy gets hit with the milkshake. Mm-hmm. I was like, did that first? Yeah, been there. <laughs> yeah, that bit, was, <laughs> that bit was written on my history, probably. <laughs> but so, yeah. Yeah, it's having people throw things at you and yell and scream like that's, you know, I always say people go into show business because they want to be loved. And it just kind of went the other way with me. Um, people hate me, but it's I've parlayed it. And like I have now the, the cooking videos is so crazy. Mm-hmm. I was started doing reading the little house books online. And then right. I said, OK, what do you guys want? And they're like, we want cooking videos. I'm like, OK. And then it's such a great riff because Nellie couldn't cook. So who's going to do the cooking? As I said, in the show. so it's hysterical. I can cook. Nellie couldn't. So it's called Who's Going to Do the Cooking? And now there's a whole YouTube channel and I'm writing a cookbook and it's a whole thing. Teach like cooking lessons for people who can't cook. I'm writing a cookbook for people who say, I can't cook. I have no idea. Like breaking down recipes, super, super simple things that anyone can make with mm. simple equipment. Like, I mean, I literally, my first cooking video was like, and this is how you make scrambled eggs. <laughs> 
And it That's was like, great. you know, 40,000 40, hits. People yeah. wanted to, apparently, everyone was very bored uh, and really wanted to watch me make scrambled eggs. Um, but they're really fluffy, the way my dad taught me, they're really like fluffy and delicious. So, yeah. Well, I think part of it is just how you're going to present the making of the eggs. It's, it's yeah, I want to know what the eggs are like, but I think it's how is Allison, because you're fun. I mean, when people tune into you, they expect to laugh. They expect to be smiling the whole time because that's what you always deliver. So I think it's it's more the, okay, how is Allison going to make eggs? Well, I've met people. I mean, I had people come up at autograph shows. My show later go, oh my God, I love the cooking videos. And it wasn't just like, you know, women. I start getting these guys. So with this guy, this trucker comes up to me in Missouri at the Cherry Blossom, a big trucker, beer guy, the baseball had a whole bit. I really like the cooking videos. And I'm like, okay, this is not my demographic. Really? And he says, oh, yeah. I like to listen to him in the truck. I put it on the Facebook, listen to it on the phone in the truck. My brother and I, we had to deliver a load like over in Oklahoma, and we'd drive for hours. And so we put on your cooking videos. And if it's like in the car, we find it very amusing. So there's people who are just listening to it and watching it because it's funny. And like people who you never in a billion years would think would be sitting around watching Nellie Olson make pancakes and stuff. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, it's weird because you say demographic and I kind of think that you're really for everyone. I mean, obviously your target audience is people like me who grew up watching shows like Little House and, and, you Mm -hmm. know, the, the shows of the people that you often have on your own podcast, the Alison Argram show, uh, you know, Petticoat Junction shows like that. Uh, but I really kind of think you're for everyone who just wants to experience something that's going to make them smile. I, th- I hope so. And it was, even with Little House on the Prairie itself, we we're on our seventh generation of viewers. I'm astounded how many young people watch them. Like, okay, people my age, they grew up watching. And then there's the rerun generation who are mm-hmm. like a few years younger, who are in their 40s, and they watched it after school. And right. they watched it in the morning before school. I'm like, okay, so that generation, mm-hmm. who are much younger, watch it. But I mean, it's, it's just people. You go on Facebook. And there's people who just started watching it. There's young, young people on Facebook and they're asking questions about, so with Mr. Edwards and with he, that they, and he's like, the show, it's been 50 years. And they're like, no, I don't know. I just started watching the show this year. I have no idea. And people are going, don't you know that? And they're like, no, I just started watching it. They're like, they showed the episodes out of order. Wait, what happened to the guy? With that? And the other people having to explain them like, they're, it's a new show to these people. Right. So it's like we're seven generations in, there's kids who are like now watching it. And I'm like, that is so weird. And the people who come to my show, big cross section, they're relatively young. I get mm-hmm. I get women and gay men, they're like the biggest groups, but like 30s and 40s. And then I have the people like my age who come with the hard diet fans. But I have some mm-hmm. shockingly young people show up at my shows and events. I'm always amazed. I love that because, and there are not a lot of shows that have had that continued following. You know, there's a few yeah. where like WKRP, people are still discovering WKRP and going, oh my God, I love the show. How is it only on for a handful of seasons? Right. But but for some reason, there's just something about Little House that brings people together. It, it gives them those good values without all the frills of electronics and you know, it's it's basic it's life. Back. I mean, during, during the pandemic, everyone realized we had an episode called Quarantine and an episode called Plague. Mm-hmm. And we all wound up in the New York Times because they started <laughs> writing about it. And then the height, the height of the Black Lives Matter protest, mm-hmm. somebody noticed that we had an episode called The Wisdom of Solomon, who Todd Bridges dealing absolutely head on with racism and slavery. That's People right. were like, whoa, this is some heavy language in this show. This is like 1976. What is happening? We did that. When did, this was on then. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. And so we dealt with everything, racism and drug addiction and rape and murder. And it, it all happened on the prairie. And 
so people started watching it when they were all home in 2020 and they went i didn't know this show was that interesting and we got like a whole new audience we got like a whole new audience well, I think you. I think too, as you as you get older or as the world has changed, you start seeing things with a different set of eyes. I remember watching uh, The Sound of Music a couple of years ago, and I hadn't seen uh-huh. it in probably thirty years. I, I was fairly young when I saw it, and so watching it again, all of a sudden now I'm seeing all the political and 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 you know the evil in it. Whereas before I was like, oh, these are the bad guys. Ah, these are the bad guys. These are the good guys. You know, these the good guys are the ones that sing. <laughs> you know. But all of a sudden, I'm starting to see it with a different set of eyes going, how horrible was it what these people were going through in this movie? I just saw it as a movie when I was a kid, just a story. And the real, the real Von Trapp family story is very interesting. The Little House Von Trapp time. So there's this guy, mm-hmm. William Anderson, and he's written all these books about Laura Ingalls Wildery. He's like an English teacher, history teacher. And he wrote like one book about Laura and it kind of like took off. So it's like I had to write like nine more. So he's sure. written all this historical stuff about Laura. But his other thing is he's just written this whole book about the Von Trapp family. And he's met them all and, and the, the children and grandchildren of the Von Trapps. And that's a whole thing of how they escaped from Austria and the Nazis because mm-hmm. they were they were going to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but, oh, but, wait, what? <laughs> but to me, when I was a kid, these are just people that are getting kicked out of their house during violent times. You know, I didn't see all the the real depth of it. Turning up the Nazi flag and ripping it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it didn't it didn't have the symbolism, you know, at the time. Now, of course, as an adult, I understand it. So I think too, there's there's just this desire of the world is moving so fast. Uh, the days seem to be hours, and it's tomorrow already. Uh, how I, is it? How is it almost? This year is almost over. Twenty twenty one didn't wasn't it just twenty twenty one January like five minutes ago? I, I um, agree. Like what happened? Yeah. Uh, okay, I went to order. I went to order more because you have the tin cups and the bonnets and things I sell in the store. I went to go order more tin cups or other tin cups, and she said I can't get any more till next year. And I said to my husband, "We can't get more cups till next." And he said, "Next year." And I went in six weeks. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds so much more epic. Wow. He's like, next year, yeah, because it's halfway through November and next year is January. Right. And he's like, when, how, how did that, when, when did it all, where did it all go? Yeah. It's I, Thanksgiving. I'm waiting for Christmas to fly by. July, 10 minutes ago. Yeah, two, two or three more days, Christmas will be over. And yeah, it's it's insane. But I think there is some desire in all of this to go back to simpler times, to not mm-hmm. have to feel all these pressures that we do. And I think that's another part of the attraction. You know, when the when the biggest excitement is, did did Pop bring me a peppermint on his trip? You know, as opposed to we're like, hey, when does this game come out? When does this movie come? You mean I have to wait two weeks for this movie to come out? What the hell? We each got a tin cup. We now have our own cup to drink out of. <laughs> I think it was I, I think it was in the long cold winter, which was the one where she just she was so dwelling on this peppermint. And of course, yeah, as a kid, yeah. I'm like, I get it. You know, I, I had to send away for stuff with an international money order and wait six weeks or months for it to come back. I get it. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, speaking of not having to wait for things, though, you have a new movie because, again, you just can't sit still for two seconds. Nope. And like everyone was stuck at home and it's like in the middle of the middle of the pandemic. I'm making a movie. What do you mean you're making a movie? We're in lockdown. I, yeah. So I had met this fabulous woman, um, Savannah, at uh, an autograph show thing and uh, Savannah Osler. And she said, um, 
so I'm, I've made this movie and she was fairly young. She said, I wanted to make this movie as a teenager. I wrote this whole thing about a girl, uh, it was two sisters trying to make it in the music industry with their band, stick it to the values. And she ran into every possible roadblock. I mean, you could make a movie about her making this movie. It was like, yeah, because everyone was like, oh, does it have to be two girls? Can it be two guys? Oh, can they be really sexy and be like naked by page two? And she's like, no, that's actually not what it's about. Okay. And she stuck to her guns. She got this movie made for like 10 cents. And so I had interviewed her and I thought she was really cool. Then I see the movie and I'm sitting there and I go, I know this thing is a budget of, you know, 29 cents and a sandwich, but this is like good. This is like, well, nice, like proper lighting and camera. I've been in things that had a bigger budget that weren't that good. So I'm like, this is like good. She's like, knows what she's doing. So she says, well, I'm making a sequel. I'm making a sequel. And I tell you what you're in. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. So she calls me because I got the money. I'm making the sequel. The, the band, they get to Nashville and everything's going great. And their manager leaves and they have to get this other manager. And this evil, evil, manipulative, horrible woman who's a band manager shows up and tries to just ruin this girl's life and exploit her and turn her into a sex bomb and break up the band and Where everything. Where would we like, find an actor that could do such a role? So evil. And she's like, she's kind of horrible. Do you want it? I'm like, yes. And she sends me the script and it's like fabulous. She's just so awful. And uh, and it's realistic too, because like I said, she got run through the ringer in Hollywood trying to make the movie. Right. So a lot of people who worked in the music industry or in Hollywood saw it and went, that was a little too accurate. We've met her. Um, So it was really evil. And I said, you're going to make this? No, I got the money. So, you know, we cut a deal. And I said, how are you going to make this during the pandemic? She said, well, everything I've done I was told was impossible and I couldn't do it. So I guess I can do this too. So next thing mm. I know, I'm on a plane, like the whole section is empty, masked on a plane to Utah. And they had me test before I got on the plane. And then I arrived, I spat in a tube again. They tested again. We did testing every two days. We get to the set and it's masks and distancing. Yeah, it's digital cameras, you know, in the next County down that way. Right. And so everything's separate and go stand by that monitor and they everyone was constantly tested and temperature checks and we ate lunch outside and we did and we shot a movie and nobody got sick we did it and we shot this thing just banged it out and then i got back all in one piece and went that was amazing and then she said oh yeah i finished it it's really good uh oh i got distribution i go what well there was this guy i met when i did the last film and he said i should call him and so it's in theaters so i go to a red carpet thing at a theater in utah okay it's shot in Utah. And yes, we have not one, two Osmonds, two Osmonds in it. Wow. Um, lovely, lovely people. So, but Marie's nephew, yeah. Um, <laughs> so we had two Osmonds, very cool. And Nathan Osmond, and then what's the other one? Uh, was it Nick? But there's two Osmonds, Nathan Osmond, lovely guy. And you can't make a movie without an Osmond in Utah. And she got two of them. So she gets, she's in the theaters. And then it's been in theater in, in LA. And she's got, now it's out on Blu-ray. And I'm just like going, who are you? And there's people who had 10 times the money she did in the movie, not theatrical release. (laughs) I love that. I love her tenacity. I love her belief in herself. But I love the statement, everything else I've done has been impossible. So why can't I do this too? I think that is an incredible mindset. Yeah, she said, they've been telling me since I was 14, no, you can't do that. You can't write this script and you can't make this movie. And then I made the first movie and they said, you can't make the second movie. No, you can't. She said, I've just been hearing, no, you can't do that. It's impossible. It's everything. She said, everything I did, I wasn't supposed to be able to do. So I, I guess we'll do this yeah. then. Just like, oh, well, another thing that is completely impossible. And so I not only made a movie in 2020, in September 2020, successfully without anyone getting sick, and that it came out. And, and so like, you made a movie in the pandemic and you it's like a lead role. 
and it's in theatrical release. I'm like, right. yes. So like, how do you do it? I, go, I did, don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you would expect at best you're looking at like straight to, to Blu-ray, straight to Netflix, maybe. Did you freeze? But, oh, I think I'm so. like tapping on the screen. Are you I, there? I can hear you. Hey. There you are. Oh, there okay, you are. yeah. Something yeah. went wonky for a second. Yeah, that seems to happen oh, okay. to me every once in a while. Um, I was so excited I squeaked and it maybe broke the internet <laughs> or something. There, yeah. Look what we've accomplished on episode 200. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, I met her, uh, I think it must have been in Arizona. Because I think that's where she was She was getting into film was in Arizona, if I'm not mistaken. But I used to work she, in film out there, too. She started in Utah, and then she was in California, and then she went back to Utah. And the, But yeah, no, just yeah, amazing, been. just stunning. Yeah, she. but I love that tenacity. And, you know, you have to reach out for the stars. If you want anything, nothing happens because you wish it. It happens because well, you take action. You know? Yeah, because she just said, well, I'm going to do it. And everybody said, no. Yeah, you have to end. And yes, action begets action. So you start working on something and maybe that doesn't work out. But while you're doing it, something else happens and you meet somebody while you're doing it. And then yeah. this other thing, like I said, I went to this kooky autograph show in uh, um, uh, in in uh, where the heck was I? It was uh, the Snake River something comic con <laughs> in uh, Pocatello, Pocatello, Idaho, like in the song. Is that on a map anywhere? In Pocatello, (laughs) Judy Garland thinks I was born in a trunk at the Princess Theater in Pocatello, Idaho. And there really is a Pocatello, Idaho, and there really is a Princess Theater. Um, So, yes, Hmm. and I I went there. Um, It's an apartment building now, but it's the Princess Theater. They kept the lobbies. but yes, yeah, so Pocatello, Idaho, and I'm like, why am I in Pocatello, Idaho, and there's people dressed as zombies and Star Trek people and Star Wars people and mermaids, mermaids and zombies. And I'm like, why am I here? And then I met this woman, and now I have a film out. I love it. But that's, I think, being open to possibility, too, is is a big part of it, because when when people contact me about something, my first reaction is, oh, God, what? And then, <laughs> what and then I go, wait a minute. I don't know who this is. I don't know what this might be. And and I, I just kind of just, I've had so many bad experiences that my initial reaction is, oh God, what? But then I go, wait a minute, just take a breath. This could be something amazing. You really never know. But if you, if you, don't, you don't open your mind, if you don't take, at least look at things with an open mind, nothing will ever happen to you. Oh, all, all the kooks call me. I get the emails of these projects. I'm like, seriously, dude? But I check them. I read them just in case. And I always say, if you have, if you're, if, if you are listening, you're a sound of my voice. If you are an independent filmmaker and you have a script, here's what I'm going to say. Um, does it pay? You, you have to pay something. Yeah. Not a million dollars, but you have to pay me something. Yeah. It has to be SAG. This film, in fact, when she was starting, she's like, I don't know if I can be SAG. Yes, you have to. Oh, I guess I'm going to be SAG now. And there you go. <laughs> uh, it needs to be union. Mm-hmm. It needs to pay. And I have to like the script. If I read the script and I think it's funny or there's something about the character I like and you can do it under a SAG contract, whether it's SAG, new media, online, web series, some hokey thing like that, some side door you can go to, ultra, ultra low budget experimental, whatever you have to do. (laughs) If it is union and I like the script and you can pay me, I'll probably do it. And you, so you should contact me or my agent. So if you're making a little tiny film and think, oh, she won't do this, you should probably call just in case. I love that. And, you know, uh, to, to give my own example of that, when I've reached out to people to be on this podcast, I thought, I'll never get them. I'll never get this person, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. you were one of those people. I thought I'll never be able to get oh. Alison Argram on the show. And when I was around episode 80 or so, I reached out to you and uh, I said, I would love to have you as a guest of my 100th episode. And you wrote back and you said, 
Sounds great. Let's do it. I'll get you in contact with my publicist. Just like that. You would have never been on the show if I didn't reach out and just give it a shot. You know, if you'd have said, no, I can't do it or whatever, that would have been fine because I would have tried. You know, I would have reached out and given and it a shot. I, I stick to my publicist and partly because he remembers who I've already talked to and how many shows I'm doing that week. <laughs> but the other is he also, because he's a publicist, he has all those services he belongs to. And he can call me back and go, yeah, this guy's not on any of the services. Nobody listens to his show. He has a following of three people. And mm. one of them is his mom. So do you want well, or I was up call to me seven go, at the time. So <laughs> right. Or he'll call and go, hey, no, I checked. This guy has listener and he's like, you know, uh, syndicated he's over on you know itunes and stitcher or whatever mm-hmm. and he's got a phone like okay great so he he knows he actually knows if you have listeners or not will tell me so sometimes he calls goes now this person's some kook in a basement and other times he goes oh yeah he's a good show you should totally do it well i think he probably <laughs> said well he is a kook in a basement but you should do it anyway <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seems good to me yeah and now so, and- yeah, and- yeah. Then he wants all his other clients on. You get all his other people. So that's fun. I do. I just interviewed Dee Wallace yesterday. Uh, today is we're Dee taping. Wright. Oh, she's amazing. How uh, much do you love Dee? Uh, a huge fan of hers. And I actually almost worked on a film with her uh, years ago. So we actually were friends. The first time I interviewed him or interviewed her, I didn't even know who Harlan was. So I booked her and Gabrielle. Then I met you and found out that they were with him. And I'm like, oh, I hope he's not going to be upset that. You know, but I, I built a great relationship with Harlan. He is an amazing, amazing guy. And he's very sweet. He's yeah. a nice person. So, yeah. yeah. And yeah. he's he knows it, everyone and everything. He has seen it all. It's, he knows everyone. He does. Like, well, he technically, the whole thing, how he technically still works for Bob Hope. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he told me about that. I love that. It's like, okay, so there's some family members left, but it's also like, so they name a new USO building, say, the Bob Hope Memorial USO Hall, because that's a big thing. So they name something to Bob Hope. Well, who's going to write the press release? Who's going to get the clips, the film clips for the news when the news covers the opening of the Bob Hope? Who's he? What's it? Somebody has to supply the photos and the film clips. Somebody has to write the press release. Somebody has to take the phone calls and say, yes, it's at seven o'clock. Somebody has to do that. That's right. So, yeah. so he technically is still working for the Bob Hope Estate. It's well, crazy. You, you and they, know, they put a book out. The family put a book out. So. And yes. And that was a, a, an amazing idea, too. Uh, what I've learned is that managers and publicists, their career with, with an artist does not stop when that artist passes away. They actually have to do a lot more work a lot of yeah, times yeah. after that. There's so much more to, to deal with than when they were alive. It's very weird. Yes. Administering a celebrity estate, as it were, publicity. It's a very strange gig, but uh, you're right. Somebody's got to do it. So there you go. Yeah. And if you guys are interested in a little bit more on how that works, listen to the episode that I did with Steve Weltman, who is the manager for Ken Hensley and Lee Kerslake's estates. Uh, I, I was really just blown away by how much more work he has to do. And we talk about that on that show. Uh, Allison, I I love that you are on the show. I hate that we're running out of time because it always goes so fast when you're on the show. Yep. Uh, so really quickly, I want to say the the movie that you did with Savannah was called uh, Even uh, uh, um, Even in Dreams, and that is available now on Blu-ray. It's on Blu-ray and DVD, and uh, also in a theater near you. Excellent, and theaters are back. <laughs> I know, I know. And if you know, and if you're not comfortable, like there's a high caseload in your neighborhood, you can rent them. You can call up the theater and say, me and my 20 friends and chip in and for like a couple hundred bucks, you can rent the theater. for. That's right. And be good to your concession people because you're taking away from their business. 
so uh, later today, uh, not as we're recording this, but in, in the time that it's being released, you will be on at 2 p.m. L.A. time. Knock yes. the stuffing out of Nasty Nelly. And then you will be back for another stage at, uh, around Christmas time. And that yep. is the Nasty Nelly Noel. Nelly's Nasty Noel. Nelly's Nasty yes. Noel. Yes. Excellent. And uh, what are you guys doing for Thanksgiving? Um, I'm making a big old turkey. Uh, my husband has this really great Sicilian stuffing recipe with pine nuts and things. Ooh. So he does the stuffing and then I do the turkey and I'm making the cranberry sauce from scratch with orange juice and orange zest. And we'll do the mashed sweet potatoes stuffed into the orange because it's also it's my father's Powell. I think my father would be not a hundred, but like 90 or something if he was alive. So it's his part. So I'm going to make his famous um, sweet potatoes where you mash them and put orange juice and currants and put them in an orange. It's all very clever. Oh, um, so we're making a whole ton of food is what we're doing. Right. And we're having um, a friend over and another friend by Zoom. I, I Well, that's a lot of food for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like, what? It's like, okay, so we're like, we're making like 87 different things. Right, <laughs> like yeah. Now, are you going to be, because you also have a YouTube channel where you are cooking hey. now because you don't have enough free time uh, for yeah. yourself. You've got to fill that five minutes with something else. Are you going to be Who's doing- Who's going to do the cooking? Yes. Yeah. Are oh, you... I probably We'll probably do um, like a little bit of live feed for as we make the stuffing, and then I'll come back a couple times when I baste the turkey. We'll throughout the day do little um, clips, yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. This is going to be so much fun. I cannot wait until later today to get to watch another one of these events. I will go have to uh, see Rich Little. I'm just going to have to do it. Uh, but you did a great job producing that episode of, of Stage It for him as well. I really enjoyed that. You are always a joy to have on the show, my friend. And we didn't even get to talk about the legislative work that you're doing. We will have to do that uh, right. because okay. it's it's kicking in again. There's well, some really good things maybe happening. It's kicking in again. We're probably uh, revitalizing our whole legislative thing over Protect because mostly we've been doing stuff with the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force, helping the ICAC teams and all this other stuff and the Weiss Center for Child Rescue Technology. But looks like we will probably have some legislative stuff next year. So I'm like, ah. That so, is yeah, amazing. And, you yeah. know, I, I had just seen uh, an ad on YouTube, actually, where there was a a little girl with this man walking through the mall and they they pass in front of this lady and the little girl knocks the land or the phone or whatever the woman had out of her hands. And as they pass by, the woman looks up to see why she did that. And the girl's using that hand sign. Uh, the, yeah. yeah. What's that? Um, help. Like, yeah, yeah. fold your thumb in and, br and bring your fingers down over it. Uh, and I thought, wow, you know, there really is a great opportunity for people to be aware. If you just pay attention to what you're seeing, you might be able to save a life. Yeah, yeah. And and it's just like the stuff that's going on the internet, it's just, it's, it's, it's insane. And it's people you wouldn't suspect. I mean, well, every time they have a raid and they wind up arresting like a bunch of people in five different countries for distributing child porn and trafficking. Mm -hmm. And it's all over the place. It's always, it's doctors and lawyers and school teachers and the youth counselor. And it's like, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. This, this idea of we have to get more extreme and we have to do forbidden things and all that. It's just, it's got to stop. Yeah. You know? Everything like bigger, faster, better, bigger, faster. And unfortunately child exploitation followed the same pattern. It didn't like, yeah. Yeah. Very unfortunately. But you're helping to do things about that to make a better world for our future generations. So thank you very much from the bottom of my thank heart. You, thank, you thank you for coming on and, and celebrating the 200th episode with me. It's been great thank as always. Thank you. Happy bicentennial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Both of my podcasts have actually hit 200 within a couple of weeks of each other. Nice. So it's uh, I said a lot. 
<laughs> I said, well, you got to get up and move around. You got to get like a standing desk or something. It's the only way. My husband uh, has a standing desk at work. Said otherwise he, you know. I've been thinking about that. I actually yeah. do go out really late at night and I walk the strip once a week just to get out of the house, get Sorry. some exercise, some fresh air, which is now unfortunately very um, cannabis filled. It's it's not as clean as it used to be, but uh, you know, the later you go, the better you chance you have a fresh air. So, <laughs> thank you, my dear friend. Keep doing thank the stuff you. you're doing. Everybody, check her out. Also, check out the Allison Arngram show, which you can find on all of your podcast. As she's everywhere I am, and probably I'm more everywhere. places. <laughs> you take care, Allison. Thank you so all much. Right, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Bye bye. You know, I feel so fortunate to be able to sit down and talk to some wonderful people like Allison, who, while we mostly talked about her work as an actor and a comedian, uh, she is doing some amazing, amazing things in the world, especially in making sure that children are cared for, that they are not put in harm's way. There are so many laws on the books that are just messed up, and she is doing a lot to fix that. There's some great things coming. Uh, if you want to learn more about that, listen to episode 100, which was the first time that she came on the show. But thank you guys. Thank you, Allison, for coming on, for celebrating my 200th episode of the show. We have 100 more to go. We are two thirds of the way to the finish line. We'll see you in the next one, guys. Cheers. Cheers.